Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode. On the upcoming episodes, I will focus on nuclear medicine review topics and review questions. And for the upcoming episodes, there will be more topic-related episodes. We'll get started with indium-111 leukocyte or white blood, skull, white blood cell scan. What is the half-life for it? The half-life is 67 hours or approximately three days. Common uses for it include abdominal and bowel infection as well as systemic infection. Key thing for it is that there is no physiologic uptake of indium, so we're able to evaluate for infection. Now, the distribution into the bone marrow or infection site takes a while, so it takes up to 24 hours to perform imaging after injection of the radiotracer. It can be combined with technetium sulfur colloid or technetium MDP for bone scan for evaluation of osteomyelitis or prosthesis lucid. Right? What about thallium-201? Half-life of thallium-201 is 73 hours or three days. It's typically used for myocardial imaging, not as common as it used to. And finally, in combination with gallium for evaluation of Kaposi's sarcoma, lymphoma, and TB in immunocompromised patients. Imaging presentation of Lewy body dementia. Now, this type of dementia presents with visual hallucination as well as Parkinson Parkinson symptoms. So what we expect to see, we expect to see a decreased uptake of uh, dopamine-specific radio tracer in the basal ganglia. So for dopamine or I-123 transporter, we have decreased uptake in the putamen. Now, if we use PET-FDG, then we have hypometabolism specifically in the occipital lobe, which I guess explained the visual hallucination, and the dopamine transporter binded to I-123 will explain the Parkinson's symptoms. Presentation of grave disease on scintography, what we see is diffusely enlarged gland with increased radio tracer uptake. Typical radio tracer used for parathyroid imaging, it's technetium-99 system EB, which is uptaken by parathyroid and thyroid. Now, the thyroid uptake would decrease or wash out over time. That's why we image twice. We image early and late. Persistent radio tracer uptake would be consistent with parathyroid tissue. Radio tracer used for lymphocentigraphy, we used filtered technetium-99 sulfur colloid. Again, filtered technetium-99 sulfur colloid is used for lymphocentigraphy. This is a question we, we asked a couple of minutes ago, which is how to evaluate for a patient if they have a prosthesis and you want to rule out osteomyelitis. The ideal imaging of choice is indium-111 or technetium-99 labeled white blood skill, and then this is combined with sulfur colloid bone marrow scan. Again, indium-111 or technetium-99 white blood cell scan combined with sulfur colloid scan for the bone marrow. MAG3 image finding consistent with acute tubular necrosis, what we see normal perfusion, but cortical retention of the radio tracer. Again, for acute tubular necrosis, we see on MAG3 normal perfusion with cortical retention of contrast material. Which radio tracer, tracer matches the extraction of aniline and is used for evaluating GFR and renal perfusion. Ideal radio tracer is DTPA and has 20% extraction due to glomerular filtration. What is the differential for false positive high discant? What is false positive? False positive when we have absence of filling of the gallbladder, which would make you think that there is acute cholecystitis, but the patient does not have symptoms of acute cholecystitis. The most common one that the patient had a recent meal, so their gallbladder had 
is contracting because it's pushing bile into the small bowel so it's not filling with contrast material uh, with radio tracer or that we injected cholecystokinin too quickly prior to the exam and, and did not allow for the gallbladder to relax. Usually we inject it after starting the scan. Uh, if the patient is NPO for longer than 24 hours or on TPN, that would also result in false positive. And any sources of severe, severe illness and finally obstruction uh, with a stone on the cystic duct or chronic cholecystitis or tumor that would obstruct the cystic duct all would cause false positive uh, HIDA scan. What is the Honda sign? This Honda sign is seen in nuclear imaging, particularly technetium 99 MDB bone scan, which shows the configuration or insufficiency fracture of the sacrum and we would see the increased radio tracer uptake due to the reactive bone formation following the fracture. Again, Honda sign which H shape of the sacrum, which is due to insufficiency fracture, and this is due to increased radio tracer activity in that location. Cerebrovascular radio tracers, the mnemonic I use for it is the word HEAD with capital H, capital E, and capital D. Capital H reminds me that it's HMPOA for capital E, it's ECD, and finally capital D is DTPA. Again, cerebrovascular radio tracers, the mnemonic I use is HEAD, H for technetium 99 HMPAO, E is for technetium 99 ECD, and D is for technetium 99 DTPA. Key thing to remember is that HMPAO is a perfusion agent that is able to cross blood-brain barrier and so it will we will see increased uptake in subacute infarct. The mnemonic I use, you get headache from infarct. Cheese a mnemonic, but maybe it'll help you remember it. DTPA does not cross the blood-brain barrier and ECD does cross the blood-brain barrier. The key thing to know for ECD that it is enzymatically activated. The E in ECD stands for enzymatically activated, and that's how I remember. Again, she's a mnemonic, but you just have to remember these radio tracers. Again, three radio tracers. The mnemonic is HEAD, H4HMPAO, E is for ECD, and D is for DTPA. DTPA does not cross the blood-brain barrier. Differential for decreased hepatic uptake of sulfur colloid. We said sulfur colloid is uptaken in the liver, spleen, and bone marrow. There's something called colloid shift when the liver is not uptaking sulfur colloid due to its disease status. And so we'll see sulfur colloid accumulating in the spleen and bone marrow and blood pool potentially because the liver is not taking it up. Now, what causes photopenic defect, meaning a localized defect in the liver is absence of liver cells. So hepatic cyst would cause a photopenic defect. Uh, masses, so particularly HCC, adenomas, and abscesses would cause it. FNH does not cause a photopenic defect because FNH is focal nodular hyperplasia, which means it actually will uptake sulfur colloid and it will show up as an intense uptake of sulfur colloid. Again, masses, uh, cysts, and, uh, and abscesses are causes for photopenic defect in sulfur colloid of the liver scan. Typical phases of bone scan. So typically we see three phases of bone scan. The angiographic phase, meaning as we're injecting the radio tracer with the radio tracer being in the blood pool. Equilibrium, which is a phase where there's 
enough tissue, enough radio tracer in the blood pool, and we start seeing it in the soft tissue and delayed imaging. That's really when, that's really what we mean when we say a bone scan, which is done at six hours, and that's when we evaluate for bony abnormality. Now. For example, in acute cellulitis, what we see, we see hyperemia in the angiographic and equilibrium phases because it's a soft tissue infection, but we don't necessarily see increased radio tracer uptake in the bone. There might be just a tiny bit of radio tracer uptake just to, due to increased vascularity at that region, but we do not see any definite increased radio tracer uptake within the bone. Bleeding rate detected with a tagged red blood cell scan, approximately 0.1 ml per minute. What about CT scan? 0.5 ml per minute and for angiography it's approximately 1 ml a minute. As a point of trivia the way they actually figured out these rates how did they come up with these numbers is on animal models they put a catheter through bowel wall into the bowel into the bowel and injected contrast at a varying rate and then compared different imaging modalities and that's what they found that on tagged red blood cell they're able to tell if the catheter flow rate is 0 0.1 to 0.2 ml a minute they were able to distinguish that there is a bleed and pick up the bleed and for a ct scan it was a 0.5 ml a minute and finally for angiography it was one ml a minute what is the donut sign for bone scan this is increased uptake in the periphery with a photopenic center is the donut hole. What is the differential for a donut sign on a bone scan? Commonly we have three things, an aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and simple bone cyst. Again, differential for donut sign on a bone scan, aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and simple bone cyst. When to use radio tracer of less than 30 millicuries for treatment of posthyroidectomy. Now, this is a class of patients that are considered low-risk patients. So if the tumor size within the thyroid is less than 1.5 centimeter and there is no invasion of the thyroid capsule, obviously if there is any metastasis, you need a high-dose uh, thyroid or I-131. But for a low-dose thyroid, meaning less than 30 millicuries, the tumor has to be less than 1.5 centimeter and there has to be no invasion or any evidence of metastasis. Spect imaging seen in Alzheimer's disease, we see symmetric decreased radio tracer uptake in the posterior temporal and parietal lobes. Again, decreased radio tracer uptake in the posterior temporal and parietal lobe is consistent with Alzheimer's disease, and these are the lobes that are affected by uh, Alzheimer's. What is the difference between thyroid trapping and organification? Now, we're talking about the processing of radio tracer here. And we have two options for radio tracers for imaging the thyroid gland. We can use technetium 99 or we can use I-131 or I-133 for imaging. Now, if we use iodine, iodine is both trapped and organophied, meaning it is transported into the thyroid gland, that is the trapping process, and then organophied, which means it is converted using the thyroid peroxidase into a thyroid hormone to become active, where technetium is only, is only trapped or transported into the thyroid gland, and it's not used into making of the thyroid hormone, and so it's not uh, organophied. Again, trapping is basically transporting of the radio tracer into the thyroid gland, and then organification is using the radio tracer into making the thyroid hormone. Typical radio tracer dose for treatment of Graves' disease versus multinodular goiters. In Graves' disease, we said there is diffuse 
overactivation or autoimmune activation of the thyroid glands so there is intense radio tracer uptake and for that we don't have to use as much as with a multinodular goiter because there is varying degree of uptake so we'll use slightly more uh, radio uh, I-131 in multinodular goiter than for grave disease. Now, both of these, we use a low dose I-131, meaning less than 33 millicarries. For multinodular goiter, we'll use 30 millicarries. For grave disease, we'll use 15 millicarries. And that's, again, because grave disease, the thyroid is auto-stimulated and it will take up the radio tracer much more efficiently than multinodular goiter. Imaging differences between technetium white blood cell scan and indium white blood cell scan. So for technetium, we said there is a higher count study, so it has a higher resolution, but there is renal and GI uptake. In indium, we said no GI uptake and no renal uptake, but a lower count study and a lower resolution study. What is the range of size for the technetium MAA particles which are used for a VQ scan? Technetium MAA is used for the perfusion, meaning it's injected IV part of the VQ scan, ventilation perfusion scan. So it's used for the perfusion part. And the average size, it's been 100 to between 10 to 100 micrometers. Again, between 10 to 100 micrometers. Anything bigger than 150 will end up blocking up the arterial level in the lungs. So anything greater than 150 should not be used because of a high risk of thrombus or blocking at the arterial level. Average size of tech MAA is between 10 to 100 micrometers. Brown fat and MIBG scan. Brown fat is symptomatic it has sympathetic innervation and thus it would be hot on mibg scan again brown fat has sympathetic innervation and it would be hot on mibg scan imaging features of hypernating cardiac muscles so hypernating cardiac muscles are mus muscle tissue that has been exposed to chronic severe hypoperfusion which will lead to on imaging to decreased perfusion and decreased contractility. On FDG scan, it will uptake FDG more than normal myocardium, and on thallium, it will show redistribution. Again, this is not a scar, and it will uptake FDG and redistribute thallium because it's muscle tissue. And hypernating cardiac muscle is caused by chronic and severe hypoperfusion, which will lead to, on imaging, decreased perfusion and decreased contractility. Protocols for Meckel's scan. So Meckel's scan is made up of gastric and pancreatic mucosa or Meckel tissue. The radio tracer we use for Meckel's scan is technetium sodium pertechnitate. And this is uptaking by gastric tissue within Meckel's diverticulum. Things we can do to enhance the yield of imaging is we can give pentagastrin, which enhances the uptake of technetium. We can use H2 blocker, which would block secretion of pertechnitate, or use glucagon to slow gastric motility. Again, glucagon, H2 blocker, or pentagastrin. The key thing to remember, it's the gastric mucosa of the Meckel's diverticulum that actually picks up the technetium sodium pertechnitate. What is stunned myocardial muscles? This is cardiac muscles that have abnormal contractility due to acute ischemia. On imaging, there is normal perfusion both on stress and rest. Again, stunned myocardium. This is muscle tissue that has been exposed to acute ischemia and has normal perfusion on both stress and rest, but abnormal contractility. I think we'll end with this and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Thank you guys.